What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for reboots, remakes, sequels, adaptations, stories that have been told since the dawn of time and will be told until the end of time itself, no matter how exhausted or fatigued or tired (laughs) you are of it. It doesn't matter because that IP will make money where an original idea might fail and we are here to discuss whether or not that needs to keep happening. Of course, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is my co-host, Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And what a fun, original week it was. (laughs) Onward came out. That was new. That was new. I'm sure something else also came out. Half-leg drunk as a coach was the way back. That, that's, oh, that's what it was, yeah. the way back. <laughs> but there was a diamond in the rough. Because <laughs> none of those shows fit our show, and I'm tired of doing things like, we'll do Onward and pretend it's a remake of a D&D thing. <laughs> so instead, amongst the noise of all the Onward and coronavirus affecting the box office noise, we are here to kind of talk about two things. This is a fun episode because we're talking about Emma, which came out this week in 2020. Um, which is an adaptation of the 1815 novel by Jane Austen. And the first adaptation of this in cinema was the 1995 film Clueless, one year before the 1996 film with Gwyneth Paltrow. And I thought it would be fun to take both Clueless and Emma and discuss the different ways you can adapt a book for a modern era. And also, Clueless is great, and we should talk about it whenever we can. As if. <laughs> I love it, man. Talk about That was a movie that I did a big 180 on that I ignored for a while because I was like a young idiot. And it really wasn't until film school where I, I was like, this is a really smart movie. It is a really smart film. And I, I also was not... I think me being a guy and like, oh, I'm a macho man. I was like, I don't want to watch this stupid, you know, quote-unquote female-led comedy. And then I came around to it in college. Somebody was watching it, and then I was like, "Wait, this is really, this is really good." And there's a there's some heart to it. And there's a story to it. And I didn't know at that point in time, but I was like, "Oh, there's like a Shakespearean back and forth that happens in a lot of the comedy of error type of plays that Shakespeare did, and obviously this author." But I was like, "Oh, there's more to this on the meat than what like just meets the eye." And I I'm mad that I didn't see it. In the time that it came out. And I don't it. think I would have appreciated it. A, I was six. Right. Uh, I don't think I would have really appreciated it until I was older. Yeah. I think even in... Well, maybe not, because I really liked Legally Blonde when I was in high school. So I might have been in that zone. Got but it. I think now is where I can really watch it. and see. It's also fun to watch now because it feels like a movie made today for the 90s. And I can't think of any other movie that just filmed... The 90s in such a way. That's very 90s film, yeah. Um, and Maybe it, the juice bar in Power Rangers. <laughs> uh, and a lot of talent that was in that movie that like went on to do to do other things. You're like, oh, wow, this is a pretty, like a jumping off point for a lot of people. Uh, it's a time capsule, but it's a really, it, it, it's aged well, because I watched this recently. It's aged very well. Well, and it ages well because it is the Jane Austen right. book. yeah. Uh, the comedy of manners in 1815 is what Jane Austen called it, depicting marriage, sex, age, and social status, taking a character that she was quoted as saying, only I'm going to like her Mm -hmm. because she's 
ignorant and unaware of her own, you would probably now say privilege and affluence and everything you can do. Correct. A movie that dealt with gender, a book rather, that dealt with gendered space, wealth, nationhood, class, relationships, and a very interesting coming of age story in that of taking a woman who doesn't want a relationship but wants to play matchmaker with everyone everyone else. Yeah. Uh, I think there's something very relatable in that of just the person who can figure out everyone else's lives but can't get their own stuff together exactly yeah. i think that's something that everyone goes through and they're like well i have such good advice for people <laughs> but i don't know what i'm doing yeah and to kind of bring that into the 90s and i guess before we really really talk about that a little other like history with clueless was that it originally was not even going to be a movie It was a TV pilot brought to 20th Century Fox. They wanted her to do something about teenagers, and her response was, I'm tired of teenagers. So I'll only do it if I can make fun of them. I'm only going to do it if I can take the piss out of this idea. Took it there. They didn't like the pilot. They rejected it. She got a new manager who asked what she was doing, read the pilot, and said it's too good for TV because this was before the golden age of television. Right, before TV became the, the shit. And said, make it a movie. Extended, and let's make a a movie out of it. Halfway through the script, she was trying to find other things that were similar to it, and remembered Emma, reread the book, and said, oops, I've been adapting Emma. (laughs) This is literally the thing. Got it. And I just don't know that there's a better way. To stumble onto something. Because if you do it that way, you're... It's not a direct rip because you can kind of like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a one-to-one and I'm just going to put it in this era. And that would have been probably a problem where it was clueless. It feels like for the first act, it's doing its own thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is where we start getting into the, the, the Jane Austen-ishness of this all. And you're like, oh, that that's so much better to do a launch off pad of what we kind of do in this current day, in this current time with these current kids in this age group. And then, like, all right, now we'll add the matchmaking thing, and now we'll play with this, and now we'll do it, and we'll kind of twist it and turn it on its head. They added characters, obviously, for Clueless, but, like, it still feels the very DNA, DNA, the exact, especially the back half of both films, Emma and Clueless, feels the DNA is exactly the same. Well, and it's the best place to put, I think, some of the themes that Emma deals with, and... The book has a very weird way because of when it was written, and, like, your life expectancy was about 23. Yeah. (laughs) So you feel like they're all adults. And when you take that and put it on clueless and they have so much time ahead of them. Right. And I don't think you really realize all of that, but it takes these ideas of class and wealth and status and puts them into high school where everyone kind of feels it and notices it and judges it. And it's, Palpable, And it's easier to translate to this current audiences than the Elizabethan time because I don't really know the ranking of well, kings nobody, and kings and all of that good stuff. Right. And nobody and really, like you wouldn't modernize this to Wall Street with billionaires right. because I don't think that that's very relatable. But to put it in high school and just be like the popular kids right. and all of these things matter. Which is something that everyone has dealt with at some point in time in their life. It's yeah. Like, oh, we can make this relatable to everyone. Even if you're 40, you at some point in time were in high school and you fit into one of the classes that this film 
has. And of course, you know, our Glinda the Good Witch character <laughs> does exactly what they do in that book and musical. And I'm going to change you and right. make you better. Yeah. And you're going to do all of this. And through that, learns about herself. Yeah. Um, but we'll get more into that in a minute. Right now, though, what were your thoughts on this 2020, Emma? Uh, this 2020, Emma. I, I saw it. Um, I liked the movie. The first 20, 25 minutes of the film took a minute for me to get into. Um, and, I, and it wasn't because it was bad, but there is a rhythm and a, um, a style that this movie has that doesn't it doesn't really bring you into it. It kind of just drops you in like this is what we're doing and you're either in or you're out. And it takes a minute for my brain to kind of catch up to like, oh, that's what we're in. All right, cool. I got it. Now I can run with this for the rest of this time. Um, once I got in, I loved it. I thought uh, everything Anna Taylor Joy was doing was was delicious. Like that, that it seems like that's a weird word to use, but you can tell that she was having a fun. She was chewing it up, and she was having a ball, and I was having a ball with her having a ball. Like it was just entertaining to watch. Yeah, I think every time I was almost out of this movie, she would just have a small like look yeah. or way she'd move that would just bring you back in. She's very captivating in this she movie. Is. And I think part of that is the period. I think part of it is just her, her and this role and this character and the way she kind of embodies it because you don't really notice the idea that she's supposed to be a little like, I don't want to say ignorant, but ignorant of mm -hmm. everything else. And it isn't until her stepbrother kind of points out like, oh, you're just dumb mm -hmm. and affluent and you don't know. Right. But she plays it with so much confidence that if you didn't say that to me, I would be like, this girl knows She's everything. She's the coolest person in this damn room. She's so on top yeah. of it. And and she has a lot of people who are even her elders who see her as being the coolest person. They like they look up to her, and she's 20 years younger than they are. Right. <laughs> and the humor in the movie, and all of these kind of like period pieces, I think of like Little Women and The Favorite as yeah. the two recent ones that are also kind of like farces and right. have humor in this is so well executed yeah. and small. Yeah. I every time her dad brought Bill up Nighy the draft is amazing. Like this like every time he's on screen I was like this guy is killing. That's when I was in. Was yeah. when they just pass him and he's surrounded by all of those <laughs> yeah. like wooden barriers to stop the this fake draft yeah. was what I just went I'm in. <laughs> right. I'm on the ride. Yeah. Let's do it. It was Oddly weird, though, for me to watch it. I kind of kept being like, "Oh, but I want it. I do want it to be clueless." Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think that that did a, a bit of a disservice to me in enjoying this film fully because I was going in like, "Well, who is this person? Like, that this person's not here, or this person." I kept not here. trying to put it together right. too. Yeah. Had you seen the uh, two thousand, the nineteen ninety six one with Gwyneth Paltrow? Which I hear is closer to the book. Like the, yeah, yeah, Bima it's and this the book. Obviously, are the same in in in, in, in uh, correlation. God, poor Gwyneth. She just one year earlier. The, yeah, the adaptation that we talk about way more that Correct. isn't really, really an, an adaptation. adaptation. Right, it just overshadows this other movie yeah. so much. It's a it's a cult classic, and then you're like, oh yeah, and then the, the actual film came out the following year. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Let Gwyneth Paltrow do her thing. Mm -hmm. She got enough with Pepper Potts and Goop and the politician. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once you got into the matchmaking aspect of it, I started seeing like, oh, okay, all right, cool. And I will say this. I don't – it probably wasn't on purpose, but the 
reclamation project, the girl that she tries to fix in this looks a lot she like Brittany like Murphy. She looks like Brittany Murphy. It was like, what the hell? Did they do this on purpose? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm not alone in that because I just kept noticing it. Yeah. It was like watching... It was nuts. Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One again. And I just yeah. kept being like, did we do this on purpose? I was purpose? like, is this done on purpose? Yeah, I kept looking around. I was like, no one else sees this? Yeah, it was. It, it didn't bother me. I was like, I, someone has to notice this. But I'm glad, yes, I, I also noticed. Oh, thank God. <laughs> the whole... And I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Because I knew if I said it, somebody would be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I'd be like, but no, look at her. That's also in a movie you can like... You shouldn't talk in movie theaters anyways. But for some reason, when we're seeing like very fancy period pieces, I'm like, oh, we can't, we can't make a sound. Right. <laughs> Everyone must be very on their nose. <laughs> I did also really like watching her in the writing keep bringing up manners and rules and things, even when she's going to dance with them for the first time and is like, well, I think you and I should dance as we're not technically brother and sister, so it would not be improper. Yeah. Oh, just so many great, like, faux pas of when they're all joking around. And, and then she just, like, she just destroys this woman's soul. shots yeah. her. <laughs> I was like, I even said it. I was like, damn. Our entire theater had such a carnal reaction to that <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah. And that's when I really knew that I wasn't alone in loving the movie. Right. When everyone was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> As if we were all on that picnic table with but monocles. Right. I'm like, oh. Oh, heavens. <laughs> I cannot believe she just said that. <laughs> She's not wrong, though. Um, and it's, I mean, the whole place in the book is fake. Right. And there was something about how they shot it and got these locations that also made it feel very fictitious. Mm -hmm. Like the world didn't really make sense. Correct. And how people got from one place to another or like someone would take a horse and carriage, but then a person could run behind them and still get there relatively at the same time. I was like, all right, fine. No, it had like Hogwarts Harry Potter rules where we were just like in a city today. Mm -hmm. But if you look, you can't see that city from anywhere from the school. and. We have this isolated house and this, like, one strip of land. And it's shot very well. It I'm is. starting to finally get an appreciation for these kind of movies, right? This is like what you'd... They'd wheel out a TV and a VCR when I was in elementary yeah. school and put on something like this. And I'd, I would and get I very would get bored. bored. Yeah, I would get bored immediately. But there's comedy. I was so surprised at how funny I thought it was. I really thought it was going to be a little too, I like... it was going to be dry. Subtle and yeah, dry. Yeah, yeah. An incredible movie. It's really, it's really fun. Did you like it more than Clueless, though? No. Um, and here, and here, I think here's, here's why. It sucks because, like I said, in the moment, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I think it's really well done. I think Anna Taylor Joy is great. However, I've, and I saw this pretty early, like middle of the week. As the days have gone by, it has started to leave my conscience. It's more like. It was good in the moment, but it's kind of like cotton candy. Once I'm done with it, I've kind of dissolved it. And it's like charming. Yeah, it's charming, and then I'm of. kind of gone. Whereas Clueless, perhaps because they turned it into a story that I could more relate to, I it sits with me more than 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 what this does. Um, and I just think that's a way you just took the story and twisted it and made it so that it's it's more digestible for me via Clueless than it is via Emma. Um, and that's not a disservice to like the Emma's going more off of what the book does just makes it easier for me to take it in clueless form well i think it's also hard when that that movie really is a modern classic and is probably the closest thing to like an 80s john hughes movie that 
was the 80s in high school. Yeah. That, and I wasn't in high school in the 90s, but like you see, I was 10 when it was over, but yeah. that was how it felt. That movie That's came what, out right before I entered high school, I believe, for me. Yeah. yeah, and it just did such a good job. So I just don't think it's going to do it. But right. I think that kind of gets us into a little bit of what we're talking about really today. So there's two ways now to adapt a story. I think you have Clueless, which is taking these themes and characters and tangibility and really breaking it down to its base of what makes that story relevant and persevere from 1815, Terrence. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't know when they invented the light bulb, but I think this was before that. Right. Um, Don't bother correcting me. I don't care. The bit's (laughs) funny. Um, And I think it is a lot easier for a modern audience to see those reflections in it. Right. And really kind of see what it is when you make that character real, too. Because it's also easier to take, because I think Clueless's comedy is so much more... I don't know if slapstick is the right word, but maybe screwball. It's zany, yeah. She's driving around and knocking down knocking stop stuff signs. Over. You got and, Donald Faison with a, a grill in with his pants down to his freaking kneecaps saying woman. all the, like it's, it's Everything's heightened and very zany. It's and, a much louder movie. It they is. get on the highway and everyone screams yeah, and yells. And, uh, so I think even that makes it more digestible to yeah. people who don't really know that. Because it's always hard to go back to old comedies when it was just... There was a long time when I was growing up where people were like, Ghostbusters is a comedy. And I was like, but it's not. Yeah. Comedies aren't like this. Comedies are like Anchorman. Right. Um, and I think I think comedies in the 80s and 90s got away with being genre-specific to whatever they wanted to first. And the comedy kind of came out of it. Ghostbusters is one of them. So you get stuff like Ferris Bueller where like, yeah, this is a comedy. Um, but it's... Like this, the, the the impetus is something that like skipping school is technically not a good thing, but we're like, that's the that's where the comedy comes out of, and I and I think this is a lady, uh, the director who did Amy Heckling, who did and wrote Clueless. She was she was always with those types. She did Fast Times, and she she directed a lot of those '90s films. So she got the essence of what she needed to the DNA of what makes those films tick, and kind of just translated into her writing vehicle. And I was like, oh yeah. And then when I saw her, her entire filmography, I was like, oh, that's why she did so well with this. She got it. Like, she was in the Fast Times of Richmond High. She was in all of these type of films that kind of gets that DNA. Over. Well, I think that's why she told the studio, I'm tired of this kind of story. Right. You have to let me do the farce. Yeah. So then, because you really can't parody or do a satire of something until you really understand Correct. It. Otherwise, you're just going to be more like the campaign Right, and like yeah, like, and I like the campaign, but it, but unless you get in and you actually have a heart, like can heart connect to what your actual base story is, then yeah, it's going to be very hard for you to make fun of it because you're not getting the impetus of what actually the, the real joke is. This and you're making joke at the outer right. side, yeah. Because I like you know the big joke of Emma is the person who has everything together but doesn't have everything together. And that realization... That's also just a very real thing, I think, for people to go through when they really think they have it and somebody kind of knocks them down a peg. Get knocked down a peg. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and and that's... But Clueless does it in a way where you, when you represent it in high school terms and you kind of flip things around, you're like, 
you were the popular person and then you built this one person up and they kind of turn on you and you start not being as popular as you once were. How, what is that? What effect does that have on you as a person? And then like, do you, should you value popularity in high school as high as you do versus just right. being a normal, a good human being? Yeah. Well, I think that's always the question. Yeah. Turns out all the popular kids I know did go on to get successful, good jobs. <laughs> so there. So go be popular. <laughs> right. <laughs> Turns out the good-looking, popular, fun people just stayed good-looking. Worked out well for them. <laughs> Not a lot of people I knew came back, and I was like, ah, they gained a lot of weight. <laughs> no, 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 they kept it off. Yeah. Um, the rich get richer, <laughs> the poor get poorer. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so then the other way you have to do it is this one-to-one ratio that we just got in 2020. And right. we did it in 1996, but mm-hmm. we're not talking about Gwyneth Paltrow no. today. Nor are we talking about the 2020 Aisha Indian modern adaptation of it, which I do really want to see. Because <laughs> I think that's more clueless E, where mm-hmm. it's, we take the themes and just stick, stick them somewhere in. else. Yeah. Which, you know, I just think is more interesting. Give me a 10 things I hate about you. Yeah, it's like Taming the, of the Shrew. Correct. Yeah. Um, o versus Othello. You get, yeah, I like, I like when they do stuff like that. And I, I think there's a lot more onus on the one to one adaptation. I don't think you get to have as much fun. I think there there's a blueprint that you have to sort of stick by when you start becoming. We'll a forgive less tangible things in Clueless because we're just having a good time. But when I'm like, well, this is Emma, so it has to do this and feel this way right. and do this. There's a checklist there are you have beats to hit. That you have to hit. You're also isolated to that time and that era. That, that way of speaking, the way that you would emote or try to get messages across has to be told in a very specific manner because this is the box that you put yourself into. And I think it's easy in retrospect to say, well, so did Clueless, but Clueless wasn't made today for the 90s. It was made in the fucking middle of the 90s. Dead smack, yeah. So it w- it'd be like if I tried to write a movie for today, I would accidentally just, it would feel like 2020. Right. If I wrote a high school movie about 2007, it would be it, 2007. Would fit, yeah. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't bat an eye about it. Um, everything in the 90s feels like the 90s. Cruel Intentions feels like the yeah, 90s. Yeah, like those are all, that's all era specific films. Um, it's a good time, but yeah, you definitely, it definitely is dependent on the, the year that it, it came out. Well, and then you can also lean a lot more into it too. Like I think Clueless, speaking in terms of it being a different kind of comedy, really, really leans into her being dumb. Like, yeah. you, you don't have the bad driving scenes in Emma or in the book. Like, the no. closest you get is her drawings aren't great. Correct. And it's funny, because you're right. You you lean into the fact that she's dumb, but she's also very driven. Because she goes, while she is 100% not doing well in her class, she comes up with a way to get all her grades to come up by just being cunning and doing things off the cuff. They did it the way, and this is something that for some reason I think the 90s really understood that we don't anymore. When you have a character who's stupid, they have to be balanced out somewhere else. And I'll use Clueless and The Simpsons as my examples, where it's like Clueless was like, she's not doing her class as well, she doesn't wear grades, but she does get people, and she can debate her Mm. way from a C to an A, and even her dad is that throwaway joke of a... I'd only be more proud if it was a real A, but right. like you got, you did this. You did this, yeah. So she's good at something. Right. She's also good at, she's empathetic. She understands people. She try, yeah. at least from her perspective, she, nothing she's doing to Brittany Murphy is with ill intent. Correct. It's all out of empathy and selflessness correct. in a way. And like in The Simpsons with Homer, it's like, well, he always comes through for the family. 
Right. He loves no his matter family. What, he's yeah. going to go to the power plant and work for Maggie. Right. He's going to do all these things he doesn't want to do for these for his people. Family. Yeah. Where if he was just a dullard. Right. You <laughs> have to give them something that is a redeemable quality. Otherwise, you're like, I'm just, I'm not going to just, why, why, why would I root for just a dumb person? Well, I think that's why Jane Austen said, I'm writing a character only I'm going to like. Right. Is, is she believed that. Yeah. Because she was writing a character that didn't exist in 1815. It really. Correct countered a lot of these norms and made a character who was flawed and fallible and by default not very redeemable correct that we just have to watch and see and really understand her world and her perspective right because there's also not really a most characters who have like power and wealth get it and then ruin it usually when we do that it's they get it and it corrupts them and this is like oh well you're born in it she has what does that do to you correct she has it and then it 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 turns on her, and then she has to deal with it in that form. And I was like, "Oh, that's a cool little way to kind of twist it and turn it on, turn it on its on its head." Um, it's a really, yeah. It's it's funny because I like I said I just watched this before uh, recording, and I forgot how much I loved I loved Brittany Murphy. Rest in peace. Is freaking phenomenal in this movie. Um, but it's it's one of those things that you forget that like oh. I forgot how many because it's it obviously is about share, but how much it is about like at that point in time, gay people weren't that big of a thing, so it was kind of a huge thing for a character to be homosexual and like right. not really be able to realize it because that at that point in time it wasn't that big. But also, just Brittany Murphy's character also, while she is considered to be the nerdy one or the the un uncouth one, she also is the one who. In, in the in the high school world has had sex but Cher who is the most popular person is is a virgin and that's a huge thing you're like oh wait that's another thing that's kind of turned on to say because you would automatically think that the most popular and good looking girl in the school would also probably have already had sex and too. they give her reasons too, right right also they build up her character to be like well no here's what i believe and what i think every thing about her is justified right. through something. There's nothing that just exists to be ancillary in right. the movie, which is also very impressive. All these characters are so well layered. thought out. They're all layered, yeah. Um, probably to a lesser st- extent, Stacey Dash's character, because she is kind of one uh, uh, through line all the way through, but I think you need to have someone that is is the litmus test like she is the one that is always on on going to stay on that lane while the other two around her ebb and flow up right. and down um and so that that is a smart way to do that because they kind of zigzag between around her i'll tell you the other thing they zigzag around in all three of the versions of this story is the marrying the stepbrother yeah <laughs> yes that's like the one part of the story that i think might just exist to be a joke but I think it, I think it goes into this theme of like manners and right and wrong. Right. That it's this like weird loophole they can do that isn't a. It's a whole movie. Her entire world is like built on rules. Right. So to give her one out is interesting. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, and, and we get that again in the Emma the current version. They're not as familiarly tied together, but we get the throwaway line with the dance, like because like, they are kind of have been treated as if they've been um, brother and sister. So it still sort of plays in the same, but uh, it's way 
It's a way murkier thing and clueless. Yeah, it's the one part of the movie that I'm like, man, she really reread Emma and then just went for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind it. No, because I, my brain is always like, and it's funny, even watching it today, like I initially was like, well, they're stepbrothers. That should just be automatically off. Like that's just not doable. Then I'm like, well, they're technically not blood. And I can't remember because I was watching it in the background. I don't think they come into that relationship while they are children like they're they're almost they're kind of fully developed so they don't really aren't raised together so therefore it's sort of an out like i think if you were if your parents got married and they were like right you were like five and seven at that point in time that might be a little worse than all of a sudden if you got if your parents got married and you're like 13 and 17 or like i I think it's easier to kind of get away from the this isn't gross because we're we didn't really grow up together yeah um he just comes in and out right yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing but it's now very searchable on pornhub so it's fine <laughs> i mean whatever uh i think the only other really thing that changes from all of them is how they do the father figure and they kind of readapt him yeah it's much more caretakery in the book where in clueless it kind of is she helps him with the case that's as close as that's, that gets yeah but that's another thing that I like more in Clueless. I like the fa- the this distant but close father who's like figuring out how to do it on his own, but also like have this law practice. He has one of the my favorite scenes is when um, Cher brings over the boyfriend who winds up being gay for the first time, and they leave, and then Paul Rudd's character is like, "Should I go? Do you do you think I should go? No, I shouldn't go." And he kind of just looks at him, and was like, "Go, go to the party." Like go to the, go 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 to the party. And he smiles when he leaves because he knows that like I know what's happening here, right? But I'm just gonna let you guys play it out yourselves. You'll get there when you get there. But I already know where this is going. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all great. I love the day. He's the funniest part of the of the new movie. He is. Bill Nye is killing it. Um. Well, somebody in our apartment's having a very good time. <laughs> that was. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much box office stuff to really talk about. Is there anything else you want to hit with the movie? Um, No, I, it, it's weird because these are one of those small, because of the box office and because of everything that's happening in the world today, this is one of those weird ones where I, I feel like people aren't going to end up going to a theater to see it, which sucks. Cause I, I don't know if this is a th- what would be considered to be theater-worthy. But I do think it's a good time. If you need an escape from all the other BS that's happening in the world, I do think it's a good time to just like, all right, well, cool, I'll, I'll pop this in. Because it's not, it's light enough where you can go in, watch it, and kind of just take your cares off of whatever the hell is happening in your life for a little bit. Um, and it's not beating you over the head with a message. And it's made for adults, so it's not like a kid's film. Um, well, then let me ask you this. As our show is focused on these reboots and remakes i think we're in agreement if we had to choose how to adapt something like this we prefer the clueless route where you don't really know that it's the adaptation Mm -hmm. but it's there obviously this is not the first time we've done this the lion king is just hamlet 10 things i hate about you she's the man right are there any other classic stories or even stories that we're telling today we're full of superhero movies and horror ideas and we're bringing back Indiana Jones and James Bond will never die. And 
Do you think any of these IPs or books that you like could be done now? And what would they be? Wow. Uh... Something like The Great Gatsby that I think now when we like adapt one-to-one, we're a little like, eh. It doesn't, yeah. But you could probably find a way to screwball it into 20, what year is it, 2020? Yeah, you could probably pull in mine and get what you actually need out of that. Um, And it's weird, though, because I feel like all of these, all of the really good ones that I think of, (laughs) when these work, they place them all in high school. And that's where I'm like, oh, that is always weird. Well, like, most clueless. of these are coming of age, right. learning about yourself. Ten they also, that... you know, died when they were 20 in Shakespeare right. times. Yeah, that's true. But like Othello to O, I, I takes place in high school. Easy A, they the Scarlet Letter, they put that in, in high school. I, I just feel like high school is always sort of the... Because that's when you, as a human, whether no matter how old you are, figuring out the most about who you are as a person, right, and what you're going to become in the world. Uh, so I, I would say that whatever you pick, you probably are going to want to set it in that time frame. Um, books wise, that I can think of offhand, I mean, I there's some heady stuff that I, I, I don't know. You don't have a classic book that you love? There are some books that I love, but, like, I'm trying to say, like, Animal Farm wouldn't, like, that's already put into a, a form that's uh, that's modern by doing it via animals. Um, I would say, like, I don't know if you can make a Raisin in the Sun any type of modern day. You might could. You could. There's probably a way to pop mind of that. You yeah, just you really could. have to figure out what the what the, the What is. the actual through line is. Like, ignore the fact that, yes, some things are going to be a little easier because race while it's still an issue is not nearly as an issue as it was at the time that it came out you just have to find something else to kind of play with and tweak with but i think there are some heady books like that um what's the i'm blanking out right now but a raisin the sun is one that i love uh i can't remember the law book that i always used to read um Huckleberry Finn is another one that they. That was one I was going to be like, why haven't we done this? Yeah, like, and it's funny because that's one that they always do a one to one ratio. But I know that you could easily mine out what needs to be mined out and make a a modern day version of that. Oh yeah. And you could easily say that in high school because that's when they they're coming two friends coming. They're kids. Yeah. 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 Um, those are the that's those are some of the books that I I absolutely love. I'm going to Google the other book because I'm blanking out on what I'm what the hell I'm talking about. Well, I said The Great Gatsby. Yeah. That's probably my favorite classic book. It's not a great answer anymore, but I would love to see a new version of Catcher in the Rye. Okay. A book I really liked in high school and don't anymore. <laughs> um, I feel like they've done just about every Shakespeare. All the Shakespeare's pretty much have been done for at some point. I don't like, know if they've all been done modernly, but a lot of them have. Like Much Ado About Nothing has been redone. But like we could go to the left of Shakespeare and do something like Tartuffe in high school. Yeah. That would be a great like cuckolding of somebody. They're trying to seduce the family. Yeah. You could do that in high school or college. I would love it. Like Little Women. Little Women keeps getting redone the way that they always have done it. I think you could make a modern version of that, uh, but I it, it's so close now. I don't know if you could. Um, there's some Killer Mockingbird. That was the one that I was. Oh thinking. yeah, like that one you can easily make because it's a, it's within law. You can easily do a, a more updated take of that flick, um, and just change that 
it obviously erases you could probably do it about sexuality if you wanted to and it kind of make it a modern day twist on that what good movies yeah I, I um I like it when the the flip I like the flips they're like, all great the like, things I hate about you clueless yeah, she's the man easy These a are all is very fun easy like, a. yeah like I, I I dig those movies a lot. And There's I, just something about a John Hughes direction with a classic script. And I'll say this: it, it's a weird thing because I do think that all of these books are books that everyone should read, and I think the younger audiences should eventually read them. But if this is a message or a motto or some um, um, something you want to have your kids learn, it may be easier for them to get this f- first via Ten Things I Hate About You or Easy A or O, and then all right, cool, you like that story go back and read the original yeah. because I think then you'll be like, I have a jumping off point. I know what the story is trying to tell me. Now I'll read the one that quote unquote is the boring version of this, but you'll get more out of it because you already kind of know what the, the message is. Absolutely. I think that's it guys. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Hollywood ADI, facebook.com slash groups slash Hollywood already did it. You can listen to our other show, One More Drink, or my other show, How Do You Figure. I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum, and we will see you next time. Later.